Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Worthy. Come on, just keep singing to the Lord. Come on, He's worthy. 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 He's worthy, worthy, worthy. He's worthy, worthy, worthy. He's worthy, worthy, worthy. He's worthy. Jesus, we thank you. Father, we worship you this morning. You're worthy. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy of adoration. You're holy. You're worthy. You're holy. You're worthy. You're holy. You're worthy. Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. We thank you, God. Come on, why don't you just give him a clap as you sit this morning. Greet somebody. Just say hello to somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as you're taking your seat this morning, turning your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I've got a lot of ringing up here, Greg. I don't know what we can do about that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is where we're going to start this morning. And my intention this morning is to teach a little, to preach a little, to dive into some theological frameworks this morning, but really look at, as we continue our, our series on Uh, Power for purpose, extending the kingdom. You know, I think one of the greatest tragedies that I see is that we have the greatest story ever told that's never told. I'm going to say that again. The greatest story ever told that sadly for many in the church is never told. They've experienced the greatest transformation that the human heart can experience, which is the transformation of the soul coming from darkness to light. It's the greatest story ever told and yet it doesn't get told. And this morning I want to talk about the purpose of power. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male And female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Why don't we pray? Father, I recognize my total and complete dependence on you today. Father, I I recognize that apart from you, I can do nothing. And I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching easy. And I thank you, Father, that I might communicate that which you'd have me to say this morning as we dive into your word. I thank you, Father, that the anointing is here that breaks every yoke of bondage. And I thank you for revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at verse 28 one more time. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
Here is the essence of why we're, we were created. When we go back to the very first directive that God gives man, when God blesses man, He says, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. We were created to subdue the earth, to rule over everything on the earth. And the question that we must first answer is why was it necessary to have to subdue what God created? Surely when God creates something, He does it perfectly in order, correct? Was there a problem? And if so, where did the problem come from? Well, we know there was a problem. We can look at uh, Isaiah 14, we can look at Revelation 12 and and other passages, and we know that there were three archangels. So I'm going to dive into a theological framework this morning, all right? So I want you just to buckle up and hold on with me, all right? We know that there were three archangels. The first one is Gabriel, who appears when a proclamation is made. He is the messenger angel of Luke 1. The second archangel that we find in Scripture is that uh, by the name of Michael. And he appears when there is a need for military reinforcement. He is the warring angel of Daniel. But here's the third archangel that I think we often forget was an archangel, and that's Lucifer. Lucifer in Isaiah 14 is described as the worshiping angel. And of course, uh, the, the history is that Lucifer rebels against God. He rebelled against God wanting to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to take his worship and become worshipped. And so he, he rebels against God, he competes with God, and he is cast to the earth with a third of his angels. This was a corruption of a perfect creation. So what does God do in Genesis 1? He commissions his creation, Adam and Eve, with the task of representing his rule and establishing his dominion once again on the earth. I want you to say that word, dominion. What does that mean? That meant defeating Lucifer. That meant defeating and overcoming his impact and rulership. So God places them in a garden in perfect order. Implying, of course, that outside the boundaries of that garden, there was what? Disorder. There was disorder outside that garden. And so everything was set up for Adam and Eve to succeed within the confines of the garden. So I want you to picture this for a moment. We have Adam and Eve. They're in this garden. Perfect order perfect dominion, all they needed to do was gradually extend the borders of that garden until the entire earth was brought under dominion. That was their call, to subdue the earth, gradually taking back from Lucifer and his angels that rule and that dominion. And of course, once the earth was taken over, Lucifer's center of government would be defeated. When we think about the Second World War, what was the whole goal? Take the capital. Take Berlin, we win the war. And it was the same for Adam and Eve. They take and subdue the earth and they've won the war. And in the created universe, earth was Lucifer's capital city. Overtake earth and Lucifer, the devil's defeated, his dominion taken from them. So the task was clear from God. Live under my authority and you have my authority to extend my rule over the earth. Man had the responsibility to rule. Man was given the authority to rule and to take earth under his rule. That was the very first commission, subdue the earth. Rulership was the commission of man from the very beginning. But here's where the issue comes in, is that authority and power come from obedience and submission. Let me say that again. Authority and power come from obedience and submission. 
How does an army operate? You submit and obey to authority over you, and that authority will eventually give you authority. Authority is earned through obedience and submission. And so we have this this issue that takes place just following this commission that Adam and Eve were given the opportunity to prove their allegiance and right to authority. But what happens? Anytime that we are given a commission, there will be a temptation to steal the commission. Anytime you've been given a a directive from God, the enemy will come with a temptation. And what was their temptation? To eat the forbidden fruit. Now, theologically, we cannot say it was an apple or a pomegranate or a peach or any of that. We just know it was forbidden fruit. So, of course, the one you obey and submit to is the one you become a servant of. And so by submitting to Lucifer, they submitted to his temptation. They submitted to Satan's temptation in that moment, and they came under the rulership, and they lost their mandate. And everything the slave owns, now the master owns. And so the result is that they automatically surrendered the keys of authority and dominion that had been given to them to subdue the earth. They surrendered to Lucifer, to Satan. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Say, we're going somewhere. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. says this, And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. And Jesus replied to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What did the enemy reveal in this moment? He offers to Jesus the kingdoms of the world, and he could do that. Why? Because it had been handed over to him. When did that happen? We just read it. Way back at the beginning, the moment that Adam and Eve sinned and obeyed the devil and became slaves to him, thus surrendering to him the keys of authority and dominion. So we've established this framework, all right? We've we've got this. So let's come to the purpose of our message today. We come to power for purpose. Jesus' objective was simply this, to take back from Satan those keys and give them back to mankind and reestablish you and I into the Genesis 1 mandate to rule. That was Jesus' primary objective was to come and take back what we had handed over and give it back to us. So, of course, the temptations of Jesus was really about coming under the devil's rule, just as Adam and Eve had done, thus robbing the ability of Jesus to take back the keys. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam, because he came to take back what Adam had freely given through the power of temptation. And the enemy seeks, through the power of temptation, to take away the rulership you've been given on this side of Calvary. Why? Because Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because he was about to take back the keys and establish the kingdom of God on the earth through the giving of keys for dominion and rulership back to you that were lost by by, by Adam and Eve. He says to the 12 disciples in Matthew 10, 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
It's the same thing, but it's getting closer. The disciples are learning what authority and power is about how to handle it. They go about casting out demons, healing the sick, doing miracles, all kingdom business. But as yet, Jesus hadn't yet taken the keys back. Hadn't happened yet. So here they are still operating in a domain that is still under the dominion of the enemy. And yet they're casting out devils. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing all of this. And Jesus is still saying, preach for the kingdom of God is at hand. It still hadn't fully manifested yet. But it was soon to happen. Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Also the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after His resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. I I love this passage because there's so much there that is just so yummy. I mean, it's just, you could eat off of it for days. But here's here's the two keys that I want you to, to get. Jesus wasn't killed. You need to get that in your spirit this morning. Jesus gave up His spirit. Jesus gave up His spirit. The enemy did not win. And immediately we see He obeyed His Father by giving His life. But here's the other fun thing. Tombs opened. Saints of old are raised. They're walking around. Moses? We don't know who it was. We, we don't have a lot of discourse in Scripture about all of that, but it's just one of the funnest things for me in that whole passage is that they're walking around Jerusalem for a time. Now, what has happened? Ephesians 4, 8 through 10 says this, Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led, the, he led captive the captives, and He gave gifts to people. Verse 9, Now this expression, He ascended, What does it mean except that He also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is Himself, also He who ascended far above all the heavens so that He might fill all things. You'll remember back in Luke 16, Jesus tells a parable about the rich man and the poor man Lazarus. They died, they both are in this place for the sake of simplicity, Hades, place where those before Christ died, all separated spirits, people who died, The parable shows us two compartments. The first one is for the righteous, Abraham's bosom. The second place is a place of torment. Greg, I'm I'm getting like a lot of feedback up here. It's kind of bouncing, like there's, there's an echo. The two compartments were separated. They were unable to be crossed. But Matthew 12.40 says this, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Ephesians 4, going back to it, says that Jesus descended. All right, He descended into the lower parts of the earth. Matthew 12 just said, just as Jonah, for three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then it says, He ascended, and when He ascended, He led captive a host of captives. When Jesus died on the cross, becoming a perfect sacrifice, perfect in obedience to the Father, paying the penalty for sin, He destroyed the only legal power the devil had to retain the keys. What was that sin? He destroyed the power of sin in that moment. And once the power of sin that had come through Adam and Eve was broken by Jesus never sinning, by being perfect in obedience, He 
regained the right to take from the devil the keys of dominion and authority. Revelation 1.18, And the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. He took the keys back. He took the keys back, and we see the result. Into the earth, Jesus descends straight to those righteous captives, meeting them in Hades with keys in hand, unlocks the compartment of Hades, took those that Ephesians referred to as captives, and ascended back to the earth with them. This is why the graves opened up, because they had experienced the resurrection power. They who were once dead were now alive in Christ. And you better start rejoicing that today you have been made alive in Christ and you've been given back the keys to death, hell, and the grave and you've been authority in this domain. The graves were opened. Jerusalem was filled with the righteous saints long dead, walking around while Jesus talks to Mary and the disciples and other, and eventually He led them to the place of glory, heaven. But just before He ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, He met with the disciples. And this is what He said, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 18-20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority... Catch that. Not some, not partial. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All Authority. All authority. Authority that had been held up to that time by the enemy. Authority, you will remember, that was offered Jesus at the temptations. Authority that had been given over to Lucifer, uh, the devil, by Adam and Eve. Authority, the keys that would give power and ability for mankind to bring dominion and kingdom rulership over the earth. Keys that would begin the process of ransacking the enemy's capital city, the earth. Authority and keys that would ensure that the original mandate was fulfilled. Let me tell you something this morning. Authority and dominion is not just when sick people get healed. They were doing that before the cross. Demons were being cast out before the cross, and yet we have thought that that's the crux of Christianity. Signs and wonders. No, that was happening before authority. What is authority? Dominion. That we would walk in dominion. See, we've settled for believing for healing. We've settled for believing for miracles. But real authority is when I walk into the enemy's camp and ransack what he's done because I've been given dominion. Somebody say dominion. Keys given now to you and I. Power given to you and I now. Authority released once again into our hands. What is the purpose of supernatural power? To ransack the works of the devil that over 6,000 years of human history has brought such misery and such suffering. To reverse the impact of satanic influence over the earth and to empower us to use the keys of the kingdom of God. Let me say something to you. Death is is an interruption to intention. 
And when you catch that, you'll stop viewing COVID as a spirit of death or you'll start viewing COVID as a spirit of death and you'll start recognizing it is an interruption to my intention. It's an interruption to the intention of the kingdom of God. We'll start bowing to the narrative of the enemy and we'll start getting the narrative. I've been given dominion. I've been given authority. I have the keys because Jesus first descended and he took captives captive and he brought them out of the lower parts of the earth and he said to me, go therefore. There was a shift in history. And yet for 2,000 years, the church has settled and said, oh, Rabbi Shaka, if I can do that, well, I've got glory. It's not enough to speak in tongues. It's not enough to cast out devils. It's not enough to have miracle signs and wonders. It's not enough to have good revival meetings. I'm looking for dominion. That when I walk into a place, the enemy has to flee. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. You and I are empowered by the Holy Spirit to enable us to use the most powerful force ever put into the hands of people. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys that have power to unlock every imprisonment of the human heart. Keys that have the power to overcome the devil and his agents. You've been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Stop fighting the enemy like he's your equal. The devil is not equal to God. We live in this mentality. We've been taught this platonic philosophy of equality of the divine. In psychology, it's called platonic philosophy. It's where we make God and evil equal in power. There is no equal distribution of power in the supernatural. God is supreme. And there is nothing the enemy can do that God has not approved of. We need to recognize the sovereignty of God. He lost his legal right at the cross. And yet we, we live our lives like the enemy has all this power. No, he only has what you give him through the temptation of agreement. You've got to begin to agree with God. The enemy comes and he says, I'm going to kill you with cancer. Oh, my mom had cancer. I just might get cancer. You've just given into the temptation of agreement. You've just come into agreement. I don't need to fight the devil over it. I come out of agreement with that lie and I get into the truth. God has given me dominion over my body. I command my body. Now listen, that doesn't mean you go eat four boxes of ho-hos and think that that's how you're going to live in health. We need wisdom. We need to steward the body. I lived too long not stewarding the body that God gave me, thinking God would just heal me of every disease when I needed to just take authority over my own body and watch what I put in my mouth. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. Oh. Mark 9, 1. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Up. To that time, the message was the kingdom is at hand. But there was a shift. 
After the cross, the message was the kingdom has come with power. It's no longer that the kingdom is at hand. It is the kingdom has come with power. Eleven of those men saw it, experienced it, and utilized the power. And today, every one of us now have the right to say, I now see that the kingdom of God has come with power. I'm starting to close, Amber. But here's the deal, church. We've got to wake up and recognize I'm an extension of the kingdom. I've been given the power of the kingdom. I don't just have these wonderful, nice little principles that I live by. I have power and authority that was given to me because he who ascended first descended and led captivity captive. In the book of Acts, it says he made a public display of principalities. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of principalities making a public display of the church. And I'm not talking about politics here. Let me make this real clear. We will never win the world through politics. We will never change the world because so-and-so gets voted in. You know when most revivals happen? When who we think is the bad guy is in office. You know when revival stops? When the guy we think should be in office gets voted in because we become comfortable. Trump isn't the savior. Biden's not the savior. I don't care who's in office. No, no man is the savior. The savior already came. And he already descended and has ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we are seated with him in heavenly places. And if we would start recognizing our seat of authority and what we've been given, we'd start having dominion over the things that have plagued our families. We'd start having dominion in the earth. And the enemy would start taking notice and go, I can't mess with those people. Can't touch that family. I can't touch their finances. They understand they have dominion. There's, let me tell you, there's been a shift in the church finances because God dealt with me about having dominion over finances. The month of January, we had $14,000 come through this house. $14,000. I went back several years to check our Januaries. We'd never had a month like that. But God dealt with me over dominion. Dominion is rulership. See, we have all these areas of our lives that are out of order because we've never taken rulership. Just practically. I'm just talking practicals, church. Some of our health is out of order because we don't have rulership over it. Our finances are out of order because we don't have rulership over it. Kings understand what comes in and out of their kingdom. Our thought life is out of order because we don't have rulership over it. Because we're watching things and we're letting things in that we shouldn't be letting in. We're listening to things. Oh, that's legalism. No, that's holiness and rulership. What is in comes out. I'm prophesying that the church will start walking in dominion and rulership and holiness will be a product of it. Holiness is the fruit of rulership. Do you understand that? Holiness is the fruit of rulership. You are to be holy. You can't do holy. You got to be holy. And that comes through rulership. That comes through dominion. And I want to see the lamb receive the full reward for his suffering. 
he gave up his life wasn't taken. But see, the enemy has some of you convinced that he killed Jesus. You got to get your theology right. He didn't kill Jesus. Jesus said, take me because I understand what I'm doing. I understand that by going to this cross, I'm taking back what, what the first Adam gave you. I've come as the Adam Hassan, the one new man, so that I might redeem what the first Adam did and I can restore my creation to a Genesis 1 mandate, have rulership subdue the earth. Why don't you stand this morning? I'm talking to a people who would say, I now see the kingdom of God has come with power. I'm not going to live allowing the enemy to have dominion over my life. I'm not going to subjugate myself to the plans of the enemy because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Thoughts of good and not of evil. It's time for rulership. It's time for dominion. It's time to rise up and walk in the rulership that you've been given this side of the cross. The devil's not your equal. He's under your feet. You don't have to fight him anymore. He's already been defeated. Very first message I ever preached, July 17th, 1998. I said, the enemy has dentures. All he can do is gum you to death. But some of you act like he's sank his fangs into you. The only teeth he has is the ones you create through agreement. You need to recognize that the only authority the enemy has on the earth is what we give him. All these people running around, oh, there's a demon here, there's a demon there, there's this demon, that demon, da-da-da. No! Yeah, they're there. There's a demon under every rock. No, there's probably thousands under every rock. They're there. But they only have the authority I give them. Through agreement. And how does the enemy come? Did God really say? Very first temptation. Did God really say? You need to start examining the areas of your life that have not come into alignment with the prophetic words you have and realize you've believed that statement. Did God really say you'd go to the nations? Did God really say your whole family would be saved? Did God really say that you would prosper in all you do? Jesus, I pray right now that every demon in hell that has come against this body of believers would go back to where it came. That, Father, right now we take a dominion and authority over every spirit of sickness, over every spirit of disease, over every spirit of poverty. We take dominion right now. And we say that today, February the 6th, 2022 becomes a shifting moment where the equipping church would rise up in dominion and begin to walk in the authority that they've been given. Stop tolerating the enemy. Stop sleeping with the enemy. Stop making your bed with the enemy. Kick him out and take your authority and your dominion. If you're in this room this morning, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not going to beg you. I'm just going to present the opportunity. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus this morning. 
You've never surrendered your life because of the sacrifice that he made for you. I want to give you that opportunity. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. In slipping up your hand, you're saying, today I'm going to follow Jesus. When you slip up your hand this morning, you're making a decision to follow him. You might be watching online this morning. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I want you to do that with me. In just a moment, if that's you, right now, I want you to slip up your hand. You're saying, I'm going to follow Jesus this morning. I choose to give my life to Jesus this morning. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I surrender. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. Today, I make a change in my history. I step into my future as a new creation and a follower of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.